message in chapter 1. Did you think it was possible? I didn't. I thought I would do a quick run through, and every time I go through, I just stop here and stop there. And There's just so much here. It is like opening up a fire hose, a water hose, and trying to get it all in. It just can't. It'll, it'll knock you over. It'll hurt the back of your throat, and there'll be all water everywhere else. You'll never get it all. And I'm thankful for that about the Word of God. We can go through in the, our entire life uh, through the Word of God, and we'll never plumb to the depths. There's one thing, one thing uh, 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 Brother Walter Clark told me this morning, this, this week about his dad. He said, if I'm not mistaken, he just had finished his 100 and I'm going to say 7th, not 17. I don't know why 17's in my mind, but I'll just say the low number. He finished his 107th time going through the Word of God in his life. Two to three hours every morning he'd read. And 107th time, he was only 30. No, I'm joking. He was, he was, he was 82. That 107, at least I think he said 117. I'll have to find out tomorrow. What a, what a joy that is. You know what you find out? You'll never get to the bottom of it. You'll never, you'll never get to the depths of it. Uh, and uh, Harold Seitler said, I've been plowing through this book for 40 years, and I've never come to the end of it. And it's so true. There's so much here. We saw in Ephesians 1 that we have kind of, I have kind of broken it down just to remember it. We, we saw our position is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our purpose in the kingdom is adoption. We've been adopted as children, so we have a purpose in the kingdom. Amen. We are, our, our, our purchase was redemption. Our paternity is our identification. We are kings and priests unto God. We are children of God. He is our father. Jesus, our elder brother. Our promise is an inheritance. The proof of that promise is, is the earnest of the Holy Spirit. The power of that promise is the indwelling of the Spirit. And the prospect of all of it is our future. We've been looking at this. And last week we began to look at the prayer that Paul had for the church at Ephesus. And the Holy Spirit of God saw it necessary to uh, record this. This is the inspired Word of God. We have it here. And so God wants us to know the very prayer that Paul prayed for this church at Ephesus. He said his prayer was that the eyes of our understanding will be open, that we may know the hope of his calling. Our, our hope we looked at last week, regardless of this life, regardless of what we go through in this life, no matter how bad it is, no matter how dark it is, no matter the trials that we go through, no matter the tribulations that we go through, if you're in Christ Jesus this morning, the hope that you have is one day that this flesh is going to be put off, this carcass is going to go into a ground, and forever we're going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the hope, that is the hope that we have of our calling forever, forever with the Lord. And so shall we ever be with the Lord, the, Paul, the Apostle Paul said. And we're looking forward to that. Amen. Some of you, I think most of us in here, are looking for the upper taker uh, rather than the uh, underkeeper. The upper upper taker rather than the underkeeper, undertaker, undertaker. That's it. The upper taker, not the undertaker. One of those. We're looking for the rapture, right? We're hoping. But listen, if it's not in God's plan that it happens in our lifetime, we will pass from this life. We'll open our eyes in heaven. And listen, that's where we'll be forever. That is the hope that we have. And so another request, though, that Paul has in this prayer is he said, I want you to understand this. And it's found here in verse 18. The eyes of your understanding be it enlightened that you might know what is the hope of your calling. All right. 
Now look at this. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Here's the other request that Paul had. He wants us to understand this. God wants us to understand this. The riches of the glory of his inheritance. Let me ask you this morning. Has anybody in here ever got stuck with something that wasn't that great? Has anybody ever inherited something that you wish you didn't inherit? Now, I'm not talking about family traits, all right? Somebody might say, I wish I didn't have those ears. I wish I didn't have this nose. I wish I didn't. I'm not talking about that inheritance, okay? I'm talking about something that somebody left you that really wasn't all that great, all right? I can think of one immediately in my own life. Sherry and I inherited Lottie. Lottie. She's like, who is Lottie? Lottie was a nine-pound Maltese. Lottie belonged to Katie. Katie got married. Katie left the house, and when she left the house, she left her dog behind. How many had kids that leave the house and they leave all their junk behind? And ten years later, you finally say, if you don't come pick it up, I'm throwing it away, right? Amen. Yeah, amen. And uh, they leave their stuff behind, and Katie left Lottie. And I told uh, her husband, I said, uh, hey, don't forget your dog. And he goes, that's not my dog. I don't want it. And I said, well, you're going to have to take it. He goes, I'm not taking it. And, the, and, the, and it came down to either he took Katie or he took Lottie. So we kept Lottie. And uh, he took Katie. And, and, uh, and, uh, and we were left with Lottie. She was annoying. She had this bark that like, was knife in your ear. And she barked at absolutely everything. 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 Now, the funnest thing was to do is get the water hose and hit the window. And she'd stand on the back of the couch like, ah! For hours, it was the funnest thing. But it was the most annoying thing. It was an inheritance I, I didn't really ask for. I made the mistake of saying she could buy the dog. I didn't know she was going to leave it behind. Right? It was an inheritance that was really no good. But there was a wonderful day that came in our life. We were living upstairs in our daughter and son-in-law's house. And that was pretty cool. I was like, we should just stay here. It'd be free. Amen. It's big up here. We'll leave the lights on. We'll eat all their food. I like it. And, uh, but a part of this was there was a neighbor next to them. And uh, we couldn't, didn't, our other daughter and her husband didn't want Lottie in their house. We kind of didn't know what to do with her. So the neighbor next door had all sorts of dogs. I went up to her and I said, listen, if we give you food and we'll take care of everything, would you mind watching our dog for a couple months? And when I brought her over, it's a puppy dog sale, because I brought her over. And uh, she opened the door and the woman goes, oh, like this. And so she, t- <laughs> you know, I hand it to her, you know, you got to. And she's holding it. The husband walks up the steps and she goes, do you think? And he goes, no. Well, they just want us to watch him for a couple mo- her for a couple months because we were living in a trailer, okay? And uh, actually, no, we were living upstairs in Kendra and Serge's house. And uh, her husband goes, yeah, that's fine. So they took Lottie and we're like, yeah, for a couple months. And as time went on, the lady came over, and I think she talked to Sherry, I can't remember. She goes, we've been wondering, would it be okay if we kept Lottie? Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And so, and, and so the lady said this, well, she needs dental work. Yeah, I know. She reeked. And <laughs> she needs this. We will do all that. We'd be fine to, but if we could, but we'd really want to keep her if we spent money on her. Absolutely. And, and, and what happened was 
the guy who didn't want her, this couple was in their 70s, he really liked Lottie. And Lottie liked him. And she'd sit on his lap and he wanted to keep her. And I was like, you can keep her, buddy. And they had all this dental work done to her. And and, and, and they actually loved her. They actually liked her, right? I, I loved her with a spray bottle. I'd be like, stop it. You know, because it's the only reason she'd shut her mouth. I mean, nothing else worked. And uh, so they liked her and they took Lottie in and they paid for her and they got her dental work done. And there was actually, actually the hope of her future changed. It was looking pretty good now because of who owned her. No, she was still the same annoying dog, but her, uh, to her owners, she was great. She was great. Do you know, according to Hebrews 1.14, we have an inheritance it's in Christ. Our inheritance is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's eternal life. But watch this. Look at this in Ephesians 1.18. We have an inheritance, but also he has an inheritance. Look at verse 18. The hope of his call, the, to know what the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of, look at, his inheritance in the saints. Do you notice there's three things? The next one we're going to look at next week is the exceeding greatness of his power. These are all Jesus. Look at this. It's his calling. It's his inheritance. And it's his power that we have. So not only, does G, not only do we have an inheritance. And that, that inheritance is, is validated by the indwelling spirit of God. But Jesus has an inheritance as well. And, and it's us. Which leads me to the title this morning. The worst inheritance ever anybody has ever gotten. No, no, I, I thought that Lottie was the worst inheritance I had ever received. But you know what I found out? There's a worse inheritance that do- than that dog. It was me as Christ's inheritance. And I want to look at this morning, the worst inheritance that anybody ever received. And it's the inheritance that Jesus had. You know, the Bible says that the God the Father gave Jesus, gave the Son, an inheritance. In Genesis 1.1, we know that God created the heaven and the earth. And all of the Godhead was involved in this creation. The Father decreed it. The Son spoke it into existence. John chapter 1. The Holy Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep and stirred up this creation. But Jesus, after everything was spoken into existence, Jesus took all that was spoken in, all of the material that he spoke into existence, and with his own hands, he formed man, and he made us after his likeness and image, and he breathed into him, the Bible says, the breath of life, and man became a living soul. But sometime between creation and Adam and Eve living in the Garden of Eden, uh, enjoying life, Satan fell from heaven. I don't know when the time frame was. I obviously was after creation because Satan is a created being. So it was after creation at some point. Satan got the, the stupid idea that he was going to be uh, uh, God and should be worshipped as God. And so he was cast out of heaven. The very same way he needs to get used to the casting because one day he's going to be cast into hell too. And uh, he was cast out of heaven. And when he shows up in the garden, I'm sure that Adam and Eve have no inside knowledge that this, that this uh, angel of God has fallen and was gunning to to destroy all of God's creation. I'm sure they had no idea at all of what went on behind the scenes. Can I remind you this morning that Satan is still trying to destroy God's creation? Yeah. It would help us to resist him. It would help us when you need to resist him to realize that he's after God when he's after us. He doesn't really care about you. You're just a pawn. 
He's just going to use you to embarrass your father. That's all he's doing. And, and so Adam and Eve came to the place where, where they just believed God, Satan over God. No, that's essentially what happened. They believed the words of the serpent that obviously allowed Satan to, to occupy his body, to use him in this temptation. And they believed uh, uh, Satan, they believed the serpent over God. And what happened? We know that sin came into the world. Romans uh, 5 and verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered in the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for all have sinned. So we were all now all born into sin, right? When your mother called you and your siblings a bunch of little heathens, she was right. We're a bunch of little heathens, aren't we? Yeah. Bunch of heathens. I had a teacher in 10th grade. She'd stomp her feet and she said, you boys are a bunch of, bunch of ruffians. You're a bunch of ruffians back there. And we had to look up what ruffian was. We knew it wasn't good. And, uh, I could have said, yeah, we're a bunch of heathens. We're a bunch of heathens. The crowning jewel of creation is now the stolen property of Satan. We've been destroyed. We are now sinners by nature. Right? You know why we sin? Because we're a sinner. It's just like, why does a dog bark? Because it's a dog. Right? Why does a snake bite? Because it's a snake. Why do we sin? Because we're sinners. That is who we are by nature. We have been destroyed and we are entirely unfit for God to dwell with. Right? Remember when our church van was stolen? Not many people out there have that testimony. Not many churches. Right? We, the van was stolen. It went for quite a while. We never could find it, couldn't find it, couldn't find it. Finally, it was, it was found. I remember just before Christmas, the police called, and we had just been dealing with the insurance, and it was all settled. And, uh, and they took their Christmas break, and between Christmas break and the time the insurance company came back, we got the call from the police, hey, we found your van. I was like, oh, great. We went and saw it, and it was a mess. They'd been smoking who knows what in it, cooking who knows what in it. It was trashed. It was destroyed. They'd been living in it. Uh, butane lighters, go figure, right? It was just wasn't good. It wasn't good. And uh, it was entirely unfit for us to use. There was not a lady in this place. I don't, they said, oh, well, we'll just go ahead and give you $5,000 and we'll have it cleaned up. I said, there's not a woman in this church that will step in that clean van. And I don't blame them. After the drugs that were done in it and everything, oh, disgusting! I, and I, we argued long. I said, "Listen, if it's a work van, big deal. I would, I would, we'd take it, but it's not, right?" Uh, God intervened, Amen. I'm so thankful the Lord intervened in that. And uh, out of nowhere, somebody called back after they said, "Nope, it's the way it is." Some guy called another day and said, "Listen, we've been looking at it. We're just going to send you the check for the van. Uh, this is we're going to total it." Praise the Lord, Amen, Amen, Amen. Yeah. We're the, listen, friend, we're the destroyed van today. We are the destroyed van. We are the trashed rent house. We are the one who really has no desire for God. Psalm 10 and verse 4, the Bible says, The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not at all in his thoughts. 
We, we have nothing to do with him. Romans 3, 10 and 12, as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Watch this, friend. We are the heathen that wanted nothing to do with our Creator because of the fall of Adam and Eve. Now, hold on a minute. We are the inheritance of Jesus. That's a bummer. Not for us. Right? We are the inheritance of Jesus. In the second psalm, if I can remember it correctly, the psalm says, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us cast his, uh, uh, let us break His bands asunder, let us cast away His cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, the Lord shall have them in derision. And He'll say unto them, I will set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. And uh, He goes on to say this in verse 8, Ask of me... And I will give thee, what he's talking to the son, thou art my son, he said, this day have I begotten thee, in verse 7. And he goes on in verse 8 and says, ask of me, and I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost part of the earth for thy possession. Do you see that? We are the inheritance of God. The Father says, I'm going to give you the heathen for your inheritance. I don't mean any disrespect whatsoever, but it's kind of like somebody saying, I'm going to give you Lottie for your inheritance. I can do without, thank you. No, friend, Jesus could have done without. And been completely just and completely righteous. It would have never set aside any of his glory to come to this earth. We are now sinners by nature. Jesus' inheritance, watch, it wasn't fit to live in. His inheritance wasn't fit to live in. It was of great value, but we had been destroyed. It was of great value. You can look at Psalm 139, verse 14, when David said, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Yes, we were beautiful in our creation, in our perfection, but we have fallen. We are sinners by nature. We have a dead spirit, and we are completely unable to have a relationship with God. And God says, I'll give you that for your inheritance. Yuck. Yeah. So what did he have to do? He had to redeem his own creation. He had to redeem his own inheritance. There's a beautiful illustration in the book of Hosea. If you remember Hosea's wife, Gomer, I kept messing up in Sunday school and calling uh, Boaz's wife, Gomer. That would be a tragedy, right? We would have never had David. Anyway, or anything. <laughs> Thankfully, Hosea had married, married Gomer. God had told him to. They had three children. The first, first son was named Jezreel. The second daughter that, uh, that Gomer had was named Lo-Ruhamah. And the third son that she bore was Lo-Ami. Listen, watch, watch, watch this. In the meanings of the names, really, really, this is what Hosea was saying. Jezreel, I know you're my son. Lo-Ruhamah, I think you're my daughter. Loami, I know you're not my son. There is the question of infidelity, and then there is the fact of infidelity, and eventually Gomer left home. God told her, 
God told Hosea to go marry this and uh, this this individual to go marry Gomer. God knew what she was going to be. He even told Hosea what she was going to end up be so he could illustrate his relationship with Israel. So uh, Gomer moves out, so finally moves in with her lovers who she'd been with anyway. She was defiled. She became unlovable and she found her place. Uh, her, uh, she found herself in a place of a debtor's prison. She found herself on an auction block. She found herself needing to be redeemed because she had run out of money and she had run out of resources. She had used up everything that Hosea was giving her. Do you not go back and read the story again while she's living with her lovers? It's Hosea who is still providing for her. And I'm telling you, we still do it today in our infidelity to God. While we think that he is approving us because his judgment is falling on us. No, it's not that at all, friend. It's it's we're maybe living in the place of Gomer where Hosea is still coming to the home taking care of us because he loves us and judgment hasn't fallen yet because he's given us space to repent. And she, she, her money though, now she's come to the place where Hosea's cut her off. She needs to learn now. God is talking to Israel. I, I've, I've been trying to get you by providing for you in, in your sin, but now I'm going to cut it off and the corn is going to be stopped and the wine is going to be stopped and the oil is going to be cut off and I'm backing away from my provisions. I'm cutting off provisions so you will stop and listen. Yeah. So here she is on the auction block. When you know it, not a soul is bidden on her. Nobody wanted her. She's used up. Of no value. Too much debt. Nobody wanted her at all. Filthy. Her filthy life was a charade. And it all came down. You know what God told Hosea to do? We know it. Go buy her back. Man. Doesn't get more beautiful than that, does it? Yeah. Doesn't get more beautiful. He actually had to pay the asking price. He didn't even get a deal. Wait a minute. This was still his wife. He didn't get the like like the the, the spouse deal. Oh, it's your oh well, I'll tell you what, we'll take 10% off. <laughs> no, he paid no, he paid the full price. And you know what the picture is here, right? It's the Lord Jesus Christ uh, who has purchased us and redeemed us back to himself and paid the full price for for this for his possession, and which was his own blood. And we see this. It was an illustration of Israel's condition with God and God's position with Israel. It was also, as I said, the revelation of God's heart towards all of mankind. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Notice this here. We, the heathen, are the inheritance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And for Jesus to take possession of His inheritance, He had to pay the price of our sin debt. What was it? Well, it was His blood. Friend, this story, I know you know this, but it shouldn't get old. There's no way this story should get old to us. Every time I hear the, the blood atonement, it should be, it's a joy to think about. It's a joy to, when the Holy Spirit of God brings into deeper depths of what, it, what, what that atonement was all about. We have, listen, we have the blood of Adam and our blood is tainted. And that is why, that is why before Jesus, it was the blood of animals that were used. 
why they did not sin. Their blood was innocent blood that, that could atone for sin. It wasn't Adam's blood that they had flowing through their body. But listen, eventually Jesus came, amen, and he was able to offer his own blood. We've looked at this recently. I want to remind you, don't forget this, please. Please don't forget it. Uh, we do not get our blood from our mother. The blood in the baby's body never flows through the body of that mother. The mother and the baby will have two different uh, blood, not necessarily two different blood types, but the baby, well, they, they'll, they'll need to or you'll have really problems if they have the same blood type. But the baby has its own blood and its own blood type. Why? Because the blood comes from the father, not the mother. Listen to me this morning. Joseph did not have the blood of, uh, the, uh, the, Jesus did not have the blood of Joseph, nor did he have the blood of any man, nor could he have had the blood of Mary. Jesus had his own blood and it was the blood of God. Amen. Hebrews 9, 12, the Bible says, neither by the blood of goats and calves, listen to this, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Jesus' blood is the atonement for the sin, uh, not ours only, but for the sin of the whole world. That Calvinist destroying verse in 1 John 2, 2, where it says he is a propitiation for our sins and not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The whole world. I love that. Do you get tired of hearing of the atonement? I hope not. You'd be bound for hell without the atonement this morning. You'd be on your way to hell if God hadn't made a way. And the blood of Jesus made it possible to remove every sin and stain from his inheritance. And every child of Adam born into this world has the opportunity now to have their sin erased. Yeah. So watch, with sin erased, now Jesus can move in. Now he can move in. <laughs> we come to God, right? He draws us by His Holy Spirit. He initiates the call. We respond to Him. We come to a place of repentance. We had a, a, a core of information that we used to live by and believe. We're presented with truth and the gospel. And we now we believe this core of information and truth. And we've rejected this and we believe this. And now we're following this. That is repentance. The Holy Spirit of God moves in that that day that we accept the Lord Jesus Christ. We're sealed into the day of redemption. The earnest of our inheritance is the Holy Spirit of God himself. He is our inheritance. Watch. And we are his. Beautiful. Have you ever felt like you're the worst inheritance there ever was? <laughs> Have you ever felt like God got a bad deal? Now watch this, verse 18. Here's what God wants us to understand. He wants the eyes, watch, He wants the eyes of our understanding opened so we can see this. He says, God, please, he's praying, Paul's praying, Father, show them this, help them to understand this, please, that, that they would understand the hope of his calling. Secondly, this morning, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Notice that first line, the riches of the glory. What does that word riches mean? Well, it just means fullness. It means abundance. If you say that dude's rich, well, we know what that means. They got a lot. They got a lot, right? They have an abundance. They have more than they need. They have more in an, than they need. So fullness and abundance. But notice this, the riches of the glory. 
That word glory is the Greek word doxa. It's where we get the word doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise uh, Him here, all ye uh, saints below. Uh, praise Him, all ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We call that, they call that the doxology. It is speaking of the glory of God. It's speaking of His magnificence. It's speaking of His excellence. It's speaking of His splendor. So notice what Paul's prayer is here this morning. Paul's prayer is that the eyes of our understanding are opened to the truth of the riches of the glory of the fullness of the splendor of the abundance of excellence of the completeness of the magnificence uh, of what of his inheritance <laughs> this is god's view of his inheritance Paul says, I want you to get this. I want you to get God's view of his inheritance. I want you to see the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Wait, you said, I thought Jesus' inheritance was the heathen. Well, it is. <laughs> it is. So what could possibly make us something glorious in abundance? What could possibly make us something magnificent in fullness? What could possibly make us something of glory and splendor and excellence and magnificence? Let me give you an illustration. I saw the other day on the internet this old Victorian home up in northern part of Missouri. It's beautiful, stunning, huge, stately, beautiful Victorian home. And it had been empty and it had been empty for a lot of years. And I began to read some of the comments about this old Victorian and the people that lived near that town. And they said, oh yeah, I've lived there and near that town. I've been in that house, blah, blah, blah. And they begin to say things like, I, there have been people that have bought that house and they have attempted to restore the house. But of all the owners, uh, they, nobody could... Uh, restore it. They would buy it. They'd start putting money into it. They'd realize it's too much. They would sell it to somebody else. They'd come along. They'd buy it. They'd put money into it. They'd realize, I can't do this. They would sell it to somebody else to where at this time today, the house is just empty. There's, I don't believe, I don't know if there's any owner, somebody, have, they said they've tried to give it to the historical society so that they would restore it, but they don't have the money to do it. They don't have the capabilities. And here's this monstrous, beautiful home. Uh, you could see the, the glory that was once there, and it's just sitting vacant and empty and run down. Yeah. Now imagine this. Of all of the owners that tried to bring this back to its glory, Nobody could do it. Now just think about this. What if the news got out and it got on to, in the online and it said, Elon Musk purchased the Victorian home and he's moved in. What would happen immediately? Hope. Hope. Yeah. What would come immediately? Uh, possibilities possibilities you know what else would come immediately he bought that thing and moved in value why is it a value not because where it stands today but because of the ability of the of the owner who has moved in you see it yeah 
Jesus purchased a property, friend. He purchased a heathen. When we turned to him, he purchased us. A once beautiful creation that was run down and falling apart and empty. A creation that many others had tried to restore, but just couldn't do it. But the moment Jesus moved in, there's hope. The moment he moves in, possibility. The moment he moves in, value and, 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 and the value and the view of that body immediately changes. See, watch, when the heathen repented and asked God to save them, you know what happened? This heathen happened to this heathen? God moved in. God moved in. He moved into my body. I I became his inheritance. And you know what he was capable of doing? Yes, I was run down. Yes, I was empty. Yes, I was falling apart. Yes, I was an absolute heathen. But he moved in, and the moment he moved in, my life immediately had value. My life immediately had hope. My life immediately had possibility. Why? All because of who moved in. You know what God wants you to know this morning? Do you see it here? How on earth? Look at this. He wants us to know. He wants wants us to understand what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. He wants us to see what the riches of of the glory, the magnificence of the abundance of his inheritance. It's unbelievable, isn't it? He's our inheritance. We are his. And the riches of that glory of his inheritance, watch this, it's not us. It's not us. How can he say that? How can a heathen become such as this? No, it's not us. It's who moved into us. It's who moved into us. The King of glory moved in. And what He is able to do through us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So I was just an old heathen. Yeah, you were. Yes, you were. But you're owned by the King of kings and the Lord of lords today. And you know what? You know how, you know how Jesus views His inheritance now? Psalm 2, he said, I'll give you the heathen for thine inheritance. You know how Jesus, you know how he views his inheritance? The riches of the glory. He says, I, my, my, my inheritance is magnificent in splendor. It is, it is abundant in magnificence. It is over the top. Friend, he's talking about you and me. Amen. Yeah, I don't feel like that. Well, I don't either. But it's still true. Why do you think God wanted us to get this down and understand it? Because we, we, don't, we don't feel that way. How many battled your flesh this week? How many battled your mind this week? How many battled sin this week? You say, boy, I sure don't feel like the glory, the, the riches of His glory. Well, in His eyes you are. You're His inheritance. Yeah. Can you doubt? Listen, could you doubt any view of God? That any view that God has of you of good after you've looked at Calvary? Could you come away with any other conclusion when you cast your eyes upon Calvary? That's what he wants us to know this morning. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Here it is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. 
and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Can I tell you this morning, God loves you. I don't care where you are in life this morning. He chose you. I don't care where, where you're living right now. He looks at you as his inheritance. And because he is in you, you have all possibility. You have all hope. You, you have all value. And it's not you, it's him. And aren't you glad for that? Because the value is placed in us. Boy, we'd be of all men most miserable. But the value is who is in us. Who is in us. It's his calling. It's his inheritance. And he calls it very good. Very good. I don't know where you are this morning. You have an incredible future if Christ is in you. I'm not just talking about the hope of the coming eternal life that we have. But I'm talking right now. Right now. Christ in you. Listen, He calls you as inheritance. And he calls it glorious. Yeah. Let Him do what He wants to do, would you? Just let Him do what He wants to do. Trust Him. God loves you this morning. Father, I'm going to end here. I just ask your Holy Spirit right now to do a work in the hearts of your people. Lord, I thank you that you chose to send your son. I'm thankful, Lord Jesus, that you chose to come. And I'm thankful that you chose to die and to shed the atoning blood for a bunch of heathens. That you would turn around and say of your inheritance that I really want you to see and understand that you really wanted us to see and know the riches of the glory of your inheritance. It's amazing what you, how you view us. And we know it wouldn't be possible outside of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the hope and the value and the, and, and the, and the, and the possibilities that are in our life if we just let you run it, let you do what you'd want to do. Father, we just pray that you'd move and work any way that you see fit this morning. Whatever you're trying to do in somebody's life, pray that we'd allow you to do it. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand this morning, would you please? The instrument's going to play, and however the Lord has spoken to you, people are praying. Have you really caught a glimpse and a view of what God thinks of his inheritance? Is anything really too hard for God? I mean, He has purchased you. He has, he has bought you. He has redeemed you. He calls you His inheritance. 
And because of what He is in you, He wants us to see the possibility, the value, and the hope of what we have in Christ. The Bible says over in Zechariah that God rejoices over his children with singing. Have you, re- have, you really, have you really nailed down in your life what God thinks of you? Have you really nailed down in your life that God loves you, that he wants you, that he has a plan for you, that you have value to him. That there's possibility and hope. You might be like that big old Victorian home. And you have all types of people that are trying to fix you up and add value to life. and They're not able to do it. Maybe you're here this morning you've never been born again by the Spirit of God. You've never been saved. Jesus doesn't dwell in you. He's never purchased you because you've never asked Him to. And you're still trying to allow everybody else to fix you up and make you up and help you to come back to what you think you once were. And they can't do it, friend. It's not possible. You need to turn to Jesus today. You need to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and receive Him. He'll move in. He'll move in. And he'll begin to do a work that nobody can do. dismissed here in a word of prayer this morning don't forget services tonight at six o'clock and we looking forward to that back lord willing back in matthew chapter chapter uh, 15, uh, 16 i believe starting off matthew chapter 16 so looking forward to that